to Interviews. Hi, I'm your host, Sophia Negron, a former professional dancer turned professional photographer. Here's where I interview former professional artists that have moved on to a new career and learn about their stories of discovery, transition, passion, and resilience. My hope is that you will feel inspired to embrace your creativity, see the value in it, and let it color the rest of your endeavors. So, what will be your act two? Hi, I am Sophia Negrone with Act Two Interviews, and today I am interviewing Deborah Flaschenberg. She is a former musical theater performer and now the founder and director of the Prenatal Yoga Center in New York City and host of the podcast, Yoga Birth Babies. Welcome, Deborah. Hi, how are you? Great. Thank you so much for joining us today. I am so excited to talk to you. I really like that we have a lot of the mutual friends because we yeah. both went to Boston Conservatory. Can you tell us how you got started as a musical theater performer? Oh gosh, yeah, it went forever ago. I was like, at first of all, I think it started when I was maybe like three or four and my mom put me like all, not all, but a lot of little girls, like I've done to my daughter, I put her in ballet and my mom put me in ballet and then it's kind of showing my age, but then I saw Annie <laughs> on Broadway and I came out singing probably poorly, um, <laughs> whatever I could remember. And so I, I was just interested then, but I don't think I've actually really ever explained the whole reason I really got into it. So it was because of a boy. Um, I, was, I had a crush in the third grade on this, on the, uh, this boy and his mom did all the theater in our town and I wanted to kind of hang out with him. I was already into theater, but it was because it kind of put the two together. And that was it from third grade till I was like 28. I was doing <laughs> theater. Um, I did summer stuff. I did some regional stuff, but I did a lot of community stuff as a kid. I, obviously, I did it through through college at the Boston Conservatory. But yeah, I started as a little little performer and just kept going. <laughs> and whatever happened with that boy? Did he ever oh, notice? He, we were friends, and I think he always knew I had a crush on him. The weird thing was, like, fast forward 20-something years, he, he popped back into my life to see if we could just hang out in our early, I think I was somewhere in my 20s, maybe even early 30s. No, I was already, yeah, I was already teaching yoga, and and we went out on a couple dates. It never really lasted to anything. But I know, I was like, this, my heart was fluttering when he reached out. <laughs> I know, we never forget those childhood crushes, do we? I know. <laughs> when did you, when you decided to go to college and study musical theater, what was that like? Did you have support? Were you oh, kind of fighting actually, it? What was I did, you know, I actually, I, I did a couple of years at Bard College at first. So when I was in high school trying to figure out what am I going to do? I, I always had this passion and a talent for musical theater, singing, dancing, but I also was um, really into drawing and painting. So my, I had this kind of grand scheme. Of course, you know, all 18 year olds have these big grand schemes and my grand 
scheme was that I would go to a liberal arts college and get a double major degree in painting and some sort of theater dance. And then part of that scheme was, and then I would go off to New York, like, you know, we all think and do my theater thing. And then my other part of that would, I would go back and get my master's in art. And then, cause again, I didn't know any better. I'm like, and then I'll just teach art at a college somewhere. So that's what I thought at 18. That didn't happen. So I did go to Bard for a couple years as a double major. And then it was actually after my first year at Bard, I was doing summer stock and I was with a bunch of recent graduates from Cincinnati Conservatory. And I saw how really polished and prepped they were. And I thought, well, what I'm getting at Bard is certainly not doing that. Because um, Bard has it is more experimental theater. And so that's when I started to look at, oh, I think I need a conservatory. And so that's why that after that one year at Bard, I went back my sophomore year and I started looking. And the only two schools, for whatever reason, I was thinking was Boston Conservatory and Emerson. So I auditioned. I got into both. And I think because I had already been at a liberal arts school, I thought, well, why go to Emerson? Why not fully dive in? And, you know, surprisingly, my parents were surprised. I mean, the, it was between art or theater. So it's not like. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have much choice. <laughs> yeah, so clearly, that's where my, my talents were. It wasn't like, it's not like they were thinking, oh, she's really strong in the sciences or theater. Like it was either painting or performing. That's kind of what I had going for me. So they were actually supportive. I was really surprised. Like I look back now, I'm like, that's kind of amazing because both my kids seem to have um, a penchant towards the arts and actually terrifies me that yeah. they might head in that direction. And I'm kind of surprised my parents didn't step in and say like, hey, can we talk more about this? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, my daughter also is heading in the dance direction and I try to encourage her as much as possible, but I also try to prep her and yeah. say, like, you need to have a few other things just That's in case. Cool. And I think, you know, because I went to Boston Conservatory as a dance major, my parents just knew that that was what I was going to do. Like, there wasn't, there was no trying to talk me into anything else. Yeah, and I, <laughs> and I totally recognize that. And, you know, while I wouldn't want to, squash their spirit. I just am more hesitant having been there. In fact, I think there's amazing things about having a performing background. I feel like it gave some amazing friendships. It gave a sense of how to hold yourself and speak. It really gave some confidence. We also bring down confidence. Um, yes. <laughs> topic. But, you know, it showed how to work as a team. You know, there's some amazing things about the performing arts. It's just as a career path for many, it is a challenge. And so that's where I struggle as a parent. Uh, but we're in, I mean, my kids are in first, they're entering first and fourth grade. So we've got some time. Yeah. <laughs> before I really yeah. Have to worry about that. Right. Yeah. Whereas my daughter has three more years till she graduates. So it is getting a little scary. <laughs> you went through Boston Conservatory and graduated mm -hmm. and what did you do next? Did you just come to New York like everybody, like you plan to and everybody does? <laughs> I did. I pretty much, I graduated the conservatory and I got a show at a repertory theater. I think it was in Maine or New Hampshire. 
And I got the lead in hair and that was one of my favorite shows. So I did that for a summer run and then literally we closed the show and the next day my parents and I, my dad drove this U-Haul, my mom drove the car to New York and I had roommates already. Luckily my roommates set up an apartment for us and I kind of plopped myself there <laughs> and I was lucky that actually on my, talk about green luck. I was on my third audition, I got a tour. So that was kind of a, a very, I think it's cause I was so new. And I also, the odd thing was the callback. I wasn't focused on the callback because I was running late to go to meet a friend to take me to their house in New Jersey for one of the Jewish holidays. So I was more, I think because I didn't build it up, I was more anxious about getting out on time and meeting my ride that I didn't put this weight of, I really want it. You know what I mean? I think sometimes we can have such that, that I need to have this that we psych ourselves out. I know I certainly did that later in my life, but that was great. So I did that. And then I kind of bounced around. I did that for, I think it was like six months. And then I just, I did a lot of summer stock and again, a little bit of regional. I did do one workshop of an original musical, which was really fun because we went into, we recorded a cast album of that, but those, that was kind of my, my life as a performer for about five years, just kind of small things here and there. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you then get into doing yoga and doing prenatal yoga? I mean, that's like, it seems so such a huge jump. You know? It was. It, it really was. So while I was doing the tour, people were telling me about this one woman who's like, oh, you, you know, she just left. You should do, you should meet her and do this yoga. You guys seem very similar. And then I was doing summer stock and the choreographer use some yoga as the warm up for us before before we're dancing and then from there someone else pointed me to an acting teacher who was also connected to this other woman who was this one, same woman who's doing yoga so I felt like many arrows were pointing me to this woman Donna and mm-hmm. I finally met her I'm like oh I like I do like this yoga thing and the more and more I got into that the less I actually wanted, like I started to be like, oh, I could go to a ballet class or I could go take a yoga class. And it started to become really arduous. It was like my chore to show up for the dance, which I used to love, and my treat to go to yoga. And then even when I started to get close to getting a, a booking a show, I started to get nervous that once I became, like I was a, then a teacher at that point, I went through teacher training, I'd have to give my classes up. And that was really starting to speak to me that, you know, if the tour wasn't fulfilling me and the yoga was, maybe I needed to reevaluate where my focus should be. So that was kind of a highlight. And then really the prenatal was because after going through, I did Bikram yoga for a hot second. That's like my dirty yoga secret. I really (laughs) just, I know it's, it's embarrassing in a way to say it. I was really disenchanted with that particular style, with the man behind it for good reason. And someone mentioned like prenatal yoga, and this was almost 20 years ago. And it was very an underserved population. And my mom who did marketing is like, oh my God, prenatal, because people are always going to be pregnant. So I went off and got certified doing that. And then it really became an accident that it became a passion. Like I started to attend some births as a doula and I had no idea it would be, I would be 
a birth advocate and be teaching this. And that and then became a doula and Lama's teacher. So it's now been 19 years that I've been doing this. And I opened up my studio 18 years ago. Wow. Okay. That's amazing. That's amazing. That, <laughs> yeah, but you know, I like that you spoke about that transition because I think as performing artists, and artists in general, when they get to a certain point and they need to transition or want to transition, it's kind of a scary thing. It, yeah. <laughs> I still remember the one day where someone introduced me as their yoga teacher and not as a performer that all of a sudden my, it really like struck me that my identity for my life pretty much up to that point was a performer. And I, I didn't know how to take that at first. I was like, oh, they know me. My identity to them is I was their yoga teacher. They didn't even know that whole background and, and really who I saw myself as. So that that transition took took a little bit of time. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting because I do think we all kind of identify ourselves from what we did, you know, for 20 some years. Yeah. I've been a photographer for 19 years, like you, a yoga teacher, and I still consider myself a dancer. Like, it never leaves you. <laughs> yeah, I still feel like I'm a singer. My kids, I mean, gosh, my poor kids know, like, every musical there is, because I'm constantly singing, and they're just like, you're so loud. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but you probably yeah. sound better than most of us do when we're singing. <laughs> I like to think I still held on to the instrument of my voice, but... Um... <laughs> But yeah, if, if they end up in theater, it really is my fault. It's because we're constantly listening to musicals. Yeah, yeah. And did you did you get any pushback, or you know, when you were transitioning, were were you having any kind of, I don't know, feelings of, is this what I want to do? Should I give up my theater? What was, what was that like? Yeah, I did kind of still dabble a little bit. Like I, I did a few cabarets still. I kept my voice lessons going because once I took the pressure off of having to get a show, it really just became the pleasure of singing still, which is what started me on that path in the beginning. But the odd thing is, so kind of through a friend, there was a leg, the last leg of a tour in Europe, I think it was heading to Amsterdam, that my name somehow got thrown in the mix, that I had just signed the lease on my yoga space. And then like, I think a day or two later, I got a notice saying like, hey, do you wanna just finish this tour? You've done this show, do you wanna finish? It was like, oh my God. Um, but I had signed the lease. So there was that moment of like, that would have been really fun. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that would have been interesting. Um, but who knows where things would have been. But I, I didn't get pushback from anyone except myself of like, do I how how is this going to go? But I knew I didn't really want to keep going. Like after every show, it was great. But then it would just be a line on my resume, and then I'm back at auditioning again, and then a line on my resume. You know, and, and there's connections to me made. But I really did start to feel very fulfilled from what I was doing and this in the interactions that I was having as a yoga teacher and especially in the birth world where it's not just a yoga class and I'm really making an impact on someone's life at a very interesting time and really trying to support them. Again, as I mentioned, I was still taking voice lessons. So I still got 
to nourish that part of what I loved about performing. Yeah. Okay. And you had just signed a lease. What, what made you decide to go just from teaching to actually signing a lease and oh, yeah, starting was, like a business there? <laughs> yeah, that was odd. I was, I was actually renting a very small room out of the Bikram studio teaching prenatal. So I basically went off to Seattle to Seattle Holistic Center and I became, this was when I was like, I think I was 27 at the time, 28. And Mm -hmm. I was renting a room and then they told me like, oh, we're reconfiguring the studio. We're going to take your little room and make it part of a dressing room you need to end. I'm like, oh, well, what am I going to do? And oddly on the same block as the Bikram studio, just maybe half a block down was an empty space. So I'm like, oh, I guess I'll go there. So I just, (laughs) there wasn't a lot of thought to be completely honest. It wasn't like, I had a business plan. I did have three silent partners I eventually bought out. All of us were were in the arts somehow. And one woman went off to India to kind of discover herself. The other two were the Bikram owners and they just stayed silent. But it's strange that, you know, 18 years later, I still have a functional business in New York City because I really came at it with a musical theater degree. And like... Mm -hmm. No business background, but my intention is, all right, as long as I really serve the client and try to have the best product available, then then sure, let's give it a shot. So there wasn't a lot of thought other than, hey, my friend Donna, who's a yoga teacher and used to be a dancer, opened a studio. Why not? <laughs> so yeah. in 2002, I rented a space. We just left that space last year and moved to a slightly bigger space still on 72nd street on the upper west side so yeah we've just been just doing it I don't know how it keeps going but I think it's because my goal just like as a performer you know you just want to put the best best you can out there and I also think you I'm sure as a performer you can relate to this too we have good work ethic like you can't you can't succeed in the arts unless you really love what you're doing and have the work ethic to do it. And I think I carried that forward with what I do now. Yes, I totally agree with that. I think that that's a huge difference between the people that make it and don't make it. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to put that one foot in front of the other. So, you know, it's, it's interesting that you just, went for it. And I do find a lot of artists tend to just go for it. And, you know, I don't know if that has to do with our training or not, (laughs) you know, whether it's creatives or just kind of like, Hey, let's just go and put it out there and figure it out. You know, I don't, I don't know. You mentioned a little bit about what you think helped your business and the things that you did as a musical theater are there other things that you think transfer from doing musical theater to what you're doing now? Yeah, I actually do. I think, and I've taught, cause I now also teach teacher training. So I've been teaching yoga teachers, my specific methodology of prenatal yoga for years. And I've always said this, I think the strongest teachers have a performing arts background because not that it's about me when I'm a teacher, 
but I do need it's I teach 90 minute classes now of course everything's on zoom so you do have to keep people engaged you need to know how to show up you need to know how to speak to a camera and if not camera actually people in front of you You need to know how you have to read a room you know so the way I could show up for a 6.30 in the evening class when everyone's tired and I have to bring a certain energy. I have to know even how timing and how to say something. You know, if I want if I want to kind of get a little laugh, I know how to do that. If I want to amp up the energy, I know how to do that. I know how to bring it down. There's something to knowing how to carry yourself and relate to people and hold that seat of a teacher that I really think comes from a performing arts background. And then also you know, singing, dancing, I know how to use my body. And I think that mm-hmm. has a lot to do. I can translate and I can articulate what I'm doing. I can articulate it out. And then I can also show it with my body. So I think that's hugely helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Just I found that too. Yeah. I found that when I, there's a train going by <laughs> the lovely things, uh, perks of New York city. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I did find that as well. I, when I did yoga teacher training, I really questioned how anyone could even do the yoga with this slight amount of hour, you know, and hours that we have to learn all this material, how they were able to actually teach the yoga with no, you know, body training whatsoever. Perception. Yes. And I think as a, someone that has very much lived in my body as a performer, it also gives me a little bit more, as they're saying, like proprioception and just acute awareness of what I'm feeling, how that translates and how to see that in another body, you know, because what I feel in my body, while I can try to describe that, it then gives me the eyes to see, is that person getting what I'm seeing and really understanding how the body works. You know, I can't just assume I have very, I'm a very hyper flexible person. So what I'm feeling may not be what they're feeling. So then using what am I, how am I seeing them move? And then trying to then articulate that and then offer corrections. So yeah, Mm -hmm. it, it does kind of boggle my mind is how does someone really take teaching yoga, which is so involved in the body. And if they don't come at with come at that, with a background in being in their body, feeling their body, knowing how to move their body in space. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I can imagine that being a huge challenge and a huge obstacle. Yeah. How did you reconcile the business? Because once you started this space and created this business, what challenges did you deal with? Or, you know, did you feel like, the, the challenges that you were facing in your business, you know, as far as business, I know some people have said, I never took a business course. I don't even know. Like, how did you, how did you deal with all of that stuff? Or did you just hire somebody to help? I didn't. I mean, I had an accountant who I still have the same accountant, which is kind of amazing. Um, (laughs) And it was also, I'm going to sound really old. It was a slightly different time in certain things. So I opened my studio in 2002 it was not dealing with the social media that we have now. So I didn't have that pressure. And I would, you know, I, my studio is on a very busy area in a very family centered part of New York City. 
And I had a lot of just walk by. So I just built it kind of like how I've always handled my finances that I don't spend money I don't have. I keep an eye on how many students and I, I knew I did have my accountant figure out. He's like, you need to make this much per class per week. So I had a goal per class of how many students I needed. And I just kept working really hard and kept bringing students in and just never spent more than I had. And that's literally how I have done it. Even till now, even during a pandemic, keeping it going, I just don't spend what I don't have. And that's how I've always lived. So that's how I've made it go. I've definitely made mistakes, you know, some marketing mistakes. I, I did a, like a Groupon one time and that was just a hot mess. I definitely made mistakes, but I feel like I'm just, you know, if you just put a good product out there and really work with the people in front of you, work with the students, you gain a certain trust and then they, they continue to share it. So that's not really answering your question so well, but that's how I, that's how I kept it going. (laughs) Yeah, but no, I mean, that's, that's interesting. And I think, I do think that being a performer, you also have to not spend money you don't have. And you have to kind of learn how to conserve because, you know, unless you're a big celebrity, most of us are working show to show yeah. and you're not, you know, making as much time as we spend as performers. We're certainly not making the money that we should be making. And like, I was the one when we first opened the studio for years, I was cleaning the toilets. I was finishing a class cleaning the studio, closing it up. I happen to live a block away from this, uh, one block uh, up and two avenues over. So it's very close. And then I'd get there the next morning, the studio is ready. I would teach that class. So by teaching most of the classes and managing it myself for the first five years, you know, that saved me money. All my, you know, I wasn't, I didn't open up with a whole staff. I very, carefully, slowly brought more teachers in when I could afford to do so. So I think that probably is what helped. You know, I didn't, because I know some studios open the door, they're like, we're going to fully staff. But being the actual teacher for most of it definitely helped get our foundation. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That seems really good. Do you, do you have anything that you would want to say to performers that are starting out or something that maybe you wish someone had said to you when you were starting out that maybe would have helped you? I felt like I, I, I think the conservatory gave a pretty good sense of what the world, the performing arts world would be. Yeah. You know, I, I was always really respectful to everyone I, I worked with. I'd say that be really respectful for everyone you work with. Don't think you're too good for anything. Like I, while I was at the conservatory, I did summer stock every summer to just to meet, you know, just keep going and why not? What else was I going to do during the summers? And I, I was really respectful because you don't know where other people are going to be. I never felt like when you're, well, my first year, my second year of doing summer stock, I was an intern. So I was doing the shows and then I was doing other stuff. I never felt like, you know, I'm on this, I'm doing the show, but you want me to paint the set too? Like I never felt anything was really below me. I really tried to always be a good team player. Listen, yeah, listen and be respectful and don't think you're too good for anything. Just try to be a team player, I guess. Okay. And then when you were transitioning, do you have any thoughts for people that 
are going to have to transition at some point. I guess find something else that you love and let that find something that fill. It may not meet that same exact passion that maybe you had as a performer, but find something that can parallel that parallel that perhaps. Okay. And because if for me, like I was able to really enjoy teaching and I really love yoga. It didn't feel like such a huge loss walking away from it because I was able to fill that gap in a sense. I like that. And I like that you said, you mentioned loss because I do think we kind of feel like we've lost something. And especially since you've done it since you were three years old, you know, that was your, that was your identity. Yeah. So that I it think was hard that, seeing a few shows every now and then it was like going up it was like I want to be on that stage too yeah um, yeah but then I think about the other side of yes the performing's great but the lifestyle of a performer you touched upon that like show to show show to show it's it's a lot of work and not that I was ever hesitant of work but it just I didn't have the passion to keep going. And I think that was something when someone loses that passion, I think it's just a sign of like, it's such hard work. If you don't have that drive, there's something else that can be fulfilling. That's not as crushing. Right. Yes. I totally agree with that. And you know, it took me probably three years to find photography. Did you, did you, when you were, it's almost sounds like the yoga just kind of fell into place, but did you have it, it, things? They were, they were a little yeah. that I was still performing while starting the yoga. And then the yoga just started to be more highlighted. Okay. It's just like, I just wanted it more and more. I just wanted to keep going to class. I wanted to keep teaching and I would just have, you know, like I mentioned before, it's like a chore to show up for the dance classes, the dance classes I used to love to show up for, you know, some of, I remember, oh gosh, was my memory is named correctly. He was a Chet Walker at steps that I just loved what he, and then I was just like, all right, I guess I should go. Like it just was, you know, <laughs> 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 and you know, once I was there doing the combinations, it was great, but and it, I had a hard time igniting the passion. And yeah. that was just telling me that maybe I should reevaluate this. Yeah. Yeah. And then I know a lot of performers when they're transitioning and trying to kind of figure out what is next. And, you know, when they think about starting a business, I'll let the train go by. When they, when they think about starting a business or, or starting on a new path, they may feel like they're not ready or they don't have the skills. So what would you say to a performer that is kind of like, eh, I don't know. That's a good question because I didn't have that. I really kind of, they, they did so overlap and I, I didn't think too much about it. So I didn't, that I didn't have, but I guess, I guess maybe try to find again, what the passion can be. And if they're not sure, get the skills, you know, like, you know, try to create the way that as a performer, many of us are born with a certain amount of talent and then we hone those skills. I think the same thing It's not like I 
finished teacher training and like, boom, I really knew what I was doing. You know, it takes time. So I'd say invest a little time in something that piques your interest. Give it the same nourishment that you may have done when you were creating your skills and keeping your skills up as a performer. Give it a little time and then see if, if you want to keep taking the next steps. You're, I think someone's lucky if immediately they have a passion for it. But I know many people have to kind of dabble in many things. It's interesting. I have a lot of friends right now that were part that were worked for me as teachers and many of them are in their early mid thirties and they were performers and they're starting to take other paths. I have one teacher who right now is in nursing school and she was a very successful stage actress for a while. And, you know, she found something that else, started to draw her there. I've seen that for many, many of the yoga teachers slash performers start to head in other directions. Yeah. And I think with what's going on in the world, a lot of us are forced to go in other directions. So it's great that you have been able to continue what you're doing on Zoom and, (laughs) you know, be... You know, because none of us, I mean, I have no events to shoot and, you know, performers have no performances to do. (laughs) So, you know, that transition is something that we are all having to go through, whether we want to or not. You know, you even had to transition into Zoom. So, you know, do you think you'll keep doing Zoom? Zoom. I think I actually do. We're going to keep even once the studio reopens, we're going to keep uh, the live streaming. It's mm-hmm. just opened such a wonderful new community. Like I had on my, my Wednesday class, I had a student tune in from Paris. I mean, how amazing is that? Not just having to stay within whoever the proximity of the Upper West Side in New York, but be able to create this online community. And because it's Zoom, we can still communicate with each other. I start every class with circle time because I need to know, you know, how far along they are, their aches or pains or issues I need to incorporate into class. So once it's live, I can talk to the people in front of me, but I can also communicate through Zoom. So we're planning on planning on keeping it going. Why not? Why not create a broader community of support? Yeah, I like that. That's that's wonderful. So is there anything else that you're working on or that you're excited about with your yoga and all of that that people should run over and check out? <laughs> if they're pregnant, they can check out my classes <laughs> at theyogacenter.com or postpartum. If, if, if someone's a yoga teacher and they're interested in our teacher training, they can check that out also at prenatalyogacenter.com, the teacher training uh, little tab. If someone's a yoga teacher and they're maybe freaked out about having a pregnant person in class and they don't want to do a whole teacher training, I actually have a course called Who's Afraid of the Pregnant Yogi? That was my take on Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. See, I still have theater in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) The Pregnant Yogi, that is specifically, it's just a five-hour course. It is for the yoga teacher that doesn't know what to do and the pregnant person comes in and they're freaked out. Ignoring the student is not the ideal situation. So I've got that small online course. I have the follow-up called Teaching the Postnatal Student. I have a podcast called Yoga Birth Babies that we talk about yoga and birth and babies. 
um, that, that and my kids take up and my husband take up the majority of my time. Yeah. Wow. You're a busy, you're so busy. That's, um, it's amazing though. It seems like you're doing really wonderfully and I'm so grateful that you were able to take the time and chat with me. I know you were running from class and now you're running to eat and probably teaching more <laughs> and <laughs> running to the kids. <laughs> So I fun. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate it, and I hope that other performers are inspired by what you have done, and realize that transitioning isn't horrible. And if they find something they really like, hopefully, we'll be able to find something at least as fulfilling as the previous career. So, thank you so much. And I hope you have a great day. You too, thanks. Thank you for listening to Act Two Interviews. I'm your host, Sophia Negron. Please make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and share with all your friends. Have a great day.